read it yourself. It's the book of Romans. Um, and this morning's title for that passage that we're going to read from Romans 1, verses 8 through 15, is a concern for the church. A concern for the church. Paul last week discussed his credentials, what gave him the right or the opportunity to be speaking to the churches in Rome and um, just to substantiate who he was and why he was doing that. And this week he expresses a genuine concern for those churches and those believers. Um, The church uh, here in this passage is going to hear expressed Paul's concern and we're going to read it in Romans 1 chapter Romans chapter 1 verses 8 through 15 I'm reading it from the NIV this morning because it it, it gives just a little clearer or plainer um, more uh, down-to-earth English as as we would today and so please follow along it says first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Man, I'd like to just stop right there and say, what if every church, their faith was being reported all over the world? What if if they said about Big Branch, your faith is being reported all over just the tri-state? What a testimony to this church or these churches in Rome. God whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I have planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just of a just as I have had among other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That's why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Can you hear his genuine concern? If you dissect it a little bit, I thank God for you. I pray for you. I long to see you, to, you can just hear, he loved these people. And I understand, and I think you could too, if you understood the context of this, um, uh, Paul's concern for churches that he started. But Paul didn't start these churches that are in Rome or this, this group of gatherings uh, that are there. Um, Why was he concerned for these believers in Rome so much? They didn't even know who Paul was. They had been at Pentecost when Peter 
had preached and went out and were meeting now in Rome, which is, you know, completely across the Mediterranean to the other side. They're in a new country. Uh, I mean, they're still, you know, in the Roman Empire, but they've left Jerusalem and now gone back home. And they didn't know who Paul was. They would have known Peter more than they did Paul. But Peter, at that time's message was to the Jews, and these people are Gentiles that are living in Rome, and Paul has this concern for them. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, troublesome what he, you know, how, how he's presenting this because they didn't know him. But his concern is genuine, and you can hear it in just those seven or eight verses that we read to this church. One of the troublesome things in, in ministry in this day and age is the concerning the, the fact that people's concern for the church is, is less than it, I feel, than it even was 25 or 30 years ago. Um, it, you see, very few people have a genuine concern for the church or for even their church. Um, there's no possession or possessiveness about it. We had a, a little campaign a, a few years ago where we passed out I Love My Church and made T-shirts and, and printed these stickers. And I, I just, I don't know why it comes to mind. I've seen Linda with one of those stickers that had been laying here giving it to someone uh, a few weeks ago. But I love my church. I don't think very few people have that genuine concern for the church or even their own church. Uh, It's a known fact that 3% of the people give 90% of the support in a church. It's a known fact that 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. That's startling. I mean, literally, uh, the local church used to be the main place in a community for folks to get together, for folks to uh, help and support, And now there's more rally around youth sports and activities than there is anything that the church does or is involved in. And used to, the church was those rallies of community. And used to, I mean, the whole community turned out for a wedding. It was a festive event. The whole community was there for a funeral because it surrounded the local church. And dinners were, you know, I mean, they're a thing of the past right now, but uh, I hope not forever, you know. But, but you'd have a dinner on a Sunday afternoon or at a local church, and the whole community would show up and bring a dish. And, 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 and it was just the local church to most people was their sense of community. And so people were loyal to their local church. Uh, 
It was in every sense of the word, the local church was their family. Because most of their families attended there and everybody went there. And I think Paul in these verses are realizing the need for closeness based on his experiences. But in this day and age, I mean, nobody, there, there, a lot of people will be in a different church every weekend. They have no sense of community to a local church. Their membership doesn't mean anything. It's first one place and then the other. They can be lost in the crowd and not have to serve or be involved. And when you think of it from that perspective, when Paul said he was thankful for them, you read that in in verse 8, why was he thankful for that church? Because the whole world knew of the faith of those Christians in Rome. You say, well, what did that mean to Paul? Well, travel throughout the Roman Empire was very common and all roads led to Rome. And the testimony of the church there had spread everywhere. We must realize that the testimony going aforehand or before Paul from these Christians that were in Rome based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, these folks were there at Pentecost and probably saw the ascension of Christ. And that testimony made Paul's missionary journeys much easier. And and with that, as he traveled from place to place, their testimony had already had an impact on the message of Christ that he was taking to these different communities. And... It was known around the world. So Paul was thankful that the good news of Christ was being spread by someone other than himself. Wow, what if every Christian that attended Big Branch Church or or attended any other church spread the gospel to where it made the job easier? You just, you you think about that. You know, folks were loyal to the church and this faith and were spreading the gospel throughout. Um, How much easier is it, you know, would it, it, I mean, the means that we have today of spreading the gospel and to have an impact on, on our community and it, it, it's, it's just unbelievable, you know, what, what can. And even in our church here, how much impact we can have on our community. I had a young adult um, in, in, you know, tell me, uh, I, I shared this with the board, it just comes to mind. We never know what the things that we do here as a church, what impact it has on folks. Um, I had a young man carrying a, a, a box, and we was you know we'd had a counseling session with him. And I'm not going to divulge a name, but he come carrying this box, and I, I didn't recognize it. And he said, "Preacher, this is a Bible that Big Branch Church gave to me when I graduated, and it's someone that you know that." We wouldn't think much of, uh, you know, we give them a Bible and that's, 
what we do for graduates. And he said, you know, this is the only thing that's helped me in the last few weeks get through my tough times. We say, oh, we give them a 50 or $60 nice study Bible and, you know, here's your nice. When it makes an impact and you're influencing your community as a church by the little things that we do, that's what Paul was saying. I'm thankful that your testimony and you're making an impact in your community. And, and so, you know, it, it's with intention that we even do the things in our community. Uh, the testimony of a, the outreach of a church is paramount to ministry. And it's, it's why we do the things that we do. We're not here as a church just to build a building. We're here as a church to build a people, to help folks through troubled times, to help them relieve themselves from the chains of sin that bind them up to the misery that, that, that Satan has their minds and their hearts occupied with. And when we are successful in helping folks go through the, the instances in life of, of where they lose a loved one or where they overcome an addiction or where alcoholism that separates their family and causes divorce, when we're successful in trying to help them through the, that and the power of the Holy Spirit that can grab a hold of their life and transform them, we're making a difference. And I'm telling you, I'm not here about making points in people's lives. I'm not going to go around point all this out and here's this, 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 and that. And I'm about making a difference, not making a point. The ministry and the outreach that Paul was seeing, he was very thankful for. And I can tell you this morning that I am very thankful for everything we as a church do and the, the things that, that we see um, in our community transpire. I mean, my goodness. We had five people last week through the ministries of this church put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My goodness, we ought to be running the aisles. That's more people than some folks see saved in a year. Some folks haven't seen five people saved in their lifetime in a church as they're in. And yet, it, it happens here week in and week out when we're on our game. And, and we just, we don't say much about it. We don't, no celebration, no thought process. We ought to be shouting, to be quite honest, what God does in our midst week in and week out and week in and week out. Paul was thankful for the ministry of the church in Rome. Second, verse 9, he says he prayed for them. They did not know Paul. They did not know Paul's prayer of support. The Lord knew it because obviously he had honored it. But here's Paul praying for these folks. They did not know him. And I wonder how many folks... Or how many of us know the people that are praying for us? You think about that. 
I know my grandmother prayed for her hellion of a grandchild when I was a teenager growing up. She told me so. She said, one of these days the Lord's going to get hold of you. And I'm like, yeah, right. Little would I have dreamed way back then. I'd be standing here way now. But people pray for us, and, and I'll never forget. And, and God is my witness, the folks that, I, that have said to me throughout the years, those who tell me, they tell me every week, and, and why, I don't know. They knew I knew it more than I knew I knew it. But folks would say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Frankie Wallace. Never a time did I see that lady. Go shake hands with her. She, she, she just whispered, I prayed for you this week, preacher. I don't know what the need is, but I prayed for you this week. Joanne Ellis was another. I prayed for you this week, pastor. I know you need it. Leo Edwards would never leave the building that he'd say to me, I'm going to pray for you this week. Paul prayed for these people in earnest because he had a concern for their ministry, for their outreach. We look at church as just another place to go and, and, and come and worship and sing a few songs and, and go out these doors and we're done with that for the week. What about the ministry of the church in the communities that we live? Because you are the church that is ministering in the community. While you're at the little league fields, while you're at the, the, the daycares, the, the grocery store, the gymnastics, your testimony, you may be the only Bible that some people read. I, I don't know, you know, how many of you all listen to the one call prayer request, but I can tell you Sometimes, some of those are life and death situations. And those folks are depending on us to pray for them like Paul is praying for these people. Do you just flippantly listen to it and say, well, I hope they make out all right? Or do you earnestly stop and pray for those folks? I'll promise you, if it was your child, your family member, your loved one, you would want folks to earnestly take a few minutes and stop and pray. You're not that busy to stop and pray for those folks when those prayer requests go out. Paul prayed for these people. He loved these people. There's desperate people with desperate needs that are trusting us to pray for them because some of them are literally needing a miracle to take place. At one point in this letter, he asked the believers in Rome to pray for him, and it is a good thing he did because he was in prison. He had been falsely accused. Uh, he had been shipwrecked. He had been snake bit. I pray for you, he said. I thank God for each of you for your ministry of prayer for me. I know your prayer for Michael, for our leaders, for Kelly, for our board, 
for the decisions that we make that affect you. (coughs) It's one of the reasons that God blesses this church. Because your prayers and our faithfulness to spread the gospel and realize that we're a place of the good news being presented to the lost and those in need. He loved them. Verse 11, he says, For I long to see you. I long to see you. There was a deep, heartfelt need to see those churches in Rome and those folks there that were the church. I don't know how many of you that were in the military service or how many of you that have traveled for work. I used to see my dad's letters he'd sent to my grandmother when he fought in Korea. And he'd close with with words of, I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to see you. That was a love, a yearning to be with his family and his loved ones. Paul loved them because he longed to see them. Uh, The last year I worked public works. I was a project manager, built schools and hospitals and parking garages. I had jobs in three different, four, four different states, hundreds of miles apart. That last year, I traveled over 160,000 miles on a vehicle, stayed over 200 and some nights in a hotel. I would leave on Monday before daylight in the wee hours of the morning and come home late, sometimes on Friday or Saturday. Didn't do have nothing Linda can tell you. I'd, I'd sit with a set of prints on the, on, even on the weekend between mowing grass till the wee hours of the morning trying to keep our men busy and, and food on their table and a paycheck coming. But I longed to have, for the day when I didn't have to do that and could stay home and spend time with my kids, go to their little league games and be there during the week. Paul was expressing a love. His words here were that of a pastor's heart. I long to see you. Some of those folks that were in Rome were very dear to Paul. Later in this letter, he speaks of Priscilla and Aquila and how they had risked their lives for him. There is one place in this letter that he speaks of his beloved Paris who labored and suffered with him for the gospel's sake. I long to hear people that visit this church tell me I felt loved when I was there. I felt people cared about me genuinely. They were kind and compassionate, considerate when I visited Big Branch Church. There's something about a loving, caring, compassionate church that speaks volumes about the love of Christ that people have in their hearts. And it's by the way they treat people. It's, it's, and, and it's not just the way they treat each other who are members. It's the way they treat folks throughout the community. I cringe sometimes. 
I'll be out in public and someone will say that grouch or that old battle axe or, or that gossip or that hypocrite and man, I, I, I want to get on my knees right then and pray. I hope that next name that comes out of their mouth isn't someone from Big Branch Church. Not that we're perfect, but man, I want us to be known as a loving people, not a grouch, not a hypocrite, not a battle axe, not a gossip. I want folks that the the dog doesn't bark at and the babies don't cry. Concern for the church. You think I'm just bragging, but a loving, compassionate, open arms to everyone. Churches like Big Branch Church are few and far between. If you don't believe it, you just ask some of these folks that visited a half a dozen different places before they ended up here. And they'll tell you their horror stories. I want when you walk through those doors back there, the first thing you see or hear is someone say, good morning, how you doing? Glad you're here. Most will love you, sad but true. Most churches will love you until they find out you're a jacked up mess. Till they find out that You've been divorced or you're a lawbreaker or you spent time in jail. You're an addict or a drunk. And then they drop kick you to the curb or place you in a seat on the back row. That's all right. Bless God they pack you on the back row here. You'll be in good hands. You'll be back here with Danny Panel and some of the others that are going to love you. Make you feel welcome. I'd rather sit with some of the folks on our back row than anybody else. Last, he was eager to visit with them. He wanted to go and minister to those Christians in Rome. There were false teachers. There were These were young Christians. They hadn't had anyone to explain Grace and mercy. Wow. Mary Ellen, what a job this morning on that song. Mercy. They didn't understand mercy. That All they had ever heard was the law of Moses. All these 600 and some rules. Thank God for grace. We don't have to live under 600 and some rules of the law. Doesn't mean that we're stupid trampling the law under our feet. It just means that we live by the grace of God and the cross. He was not going there for a sightseeing trip to Rome. He was going there to minister to these folks. Wow, he, <laughs> you missed it. If, if, if you never go anywhere and travel anywhere else around the world, you ought to go to Rome someday. Some of the, I, I, just because of the architecture. I, I, I'm being a builder, it, it, it was fascinating. But to see the, the ceiling in St. Peter's Basilica is worth the trip alone.
the, the painting on that ceiling is worth the trip around. The, some of the, the ruins of the Colosseum and the, the different stuff that we got to go with some of you and a group from school a few years ago and just spend some time there. And, and my goodness, and yet Paul was not traveling for a sightseeing trip. He was there because he wanted to minister and teach those folks the truth. And that's why the doctrine that we'll find throughout the whole book of Romans was to a group of young Christians that didn't understand the difference between the law and grace. They didn't know what justification and sanctification and some of these things meant that Paul is getting ready to spread before them the same way that it's so important for the church to be ministered to and discipled and taught the Word of God. It's why that our small group sessions rotate between missional and doctrine and restorational and the different things so that folks are well-rounded and well-grounded and hopefully have a concern for the church and for the community and a love and compassion for those that are lost in their family and their friends. Paul had a genuine concern for these folks and in this letter as you will hear ahead he teaches them some of the most in-depth doctrines of, of the entire Bible and yet he will be accused just as we have of being anti-law. He will be called a Jewish traitor Others will twist his teaching about grace and try to prove that he taught loose living and easy believism. And yet he was eager to visit and share with them the fullness of the gospel of Christ. But would the gospel of Christ work in the great city of Rome? as it had in other places that Paul had visited? Would Paul succeed there? I think he felt that pressure as, as he prepared to go. And no doubt he raised these objections and these questions in his own mind as we will see next week when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He was wondering if in fact it was going to work. God did then, and you know, when you think about what God did do there in Rome, and, and, but Paul was just human as we are. He wasn't somebody supernatural. We sometimes fail to understand, though, the supernatural power of God's Word. That's why it's important that you read it yourself because it's living. It speaks to you. It teaches you. It's illuminated in your own heart and mind through the power of the Holy Spirit. And putting the Word in your heart and reading your Bible will make a difference in your life. His Holy Spirit his blood-bought church, God did then and God still is using His Word. 
He's still using the Bible to teach and speak to the hearts of those that put their faith and trust in Him. If you've trusted Christ recently, it's important for you to read your Bible yourself. It's important for you to take your next steps in believer's baptism, which is not something that saves you. It is simply an outward showing of an inward act. You're telling people by getting baptized that I put my faith and trust in Christ. And the more you talk about Christ, the more you publicly talk about Him and tell folks, the stronger your Christian walk is. God's still using the church, His people, to witness to others like He did the church in Rome. God is still using the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to draw folks to himself, to reach those in need of a Savior. Wow. He's calling us now. (laughs) Walgreens. I take so many medicines, they have to call me on Sunday to tell me it's ready. <laughs> I take enough pills to choke a billy goat, man. It, uh, God did it then, and God can do it now. And I just pray that God's people have a genuine concern for their church. I pray that they support their church financially. I pray that they are loyal in attendance. I pray that they have a passion for the ministries. And when they can't be involved, they pray for those that are. I pray that the church remains burning in us today as it did in Paul's day. That the love, the compassion, the outreach is more than just a place that we attend on Sunday because we ought to or we think we need to be there. That it's something that we talk about during the week. It's something that we are involved in. That when we see those that are lost, that are struggling, that we rub shoulders with, we tell them about a Savior. That it's genuine. We're real. We're the real deal. And that folks can see the difference between the Christians at Big Branch and that our testimony is spread throughout our community. Let's stand.